Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode number 12, Nothing New Under the Sun. You're listening to episode what if there are secrets in the Bible the, the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Well, hello again and welcome to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell and this is... Zena. We're here to talk about the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. How are you today, Zena? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm very well, thanks. I'm excited that we've got another podcast. Um, I'm excited to know that we are out now being subscribed to in 22 different nations. Right? That's crazy. We really appreciate you guys listening. We really do, and we thank you for that. We have a total of almost 900 unique listeners. And uh, I've got some news I'll be sharing with you very soon once we get it finalized, but um, uh, I'll, I'm looking forward to sharing that. We're going to be on a very popular national radio program for an interview coming up here soon, so I'll keep you posted on that. But today, we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit. We've been talking about some pretty crazy stuff, right? Yes, aliens and UFOs. Right, right. And genetic experiments and all kind of fun stuff. Well, we're going to kind of go back to looking at things in the past again. And the title of today's podcast is called No New Thing Under the Sun. Now, why is it titled that? Well, we're going to get that actual verse from the book of Ecclesiastes, which is another Old Testament or Torah book. And it's actually not uh, named after a prophet like Isaiah or Jeremiah. Uh, interesting, we're going to find out it was written by King Solomon. Really? It's a book written by King Solomon. And the word Ecclesiastes comes from a Greek word, ekklesia, which simply means um, preacher. Okay. Preacher. So we're going to start, though, in a book even older than that, and it's a Deuteronomy. I want to share with everybody something from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 29, because we call this podcast Bible Mysteries. And one of the first things that God ever revealed about his own mysteries, he revealed through Moses. And Moses said these words in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. He said, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law, or this law. And of course, Moses was given the law to give to Israel. But I just find it fascinating that he said, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us. So the premise of our show is to look into the scriptures and see what God revealed. Okay. So we can learn and try to figure out. And today's episode, we're going to deal with things from the past, and we're going to find out that things repeat. And it gives us a clue as to maybe what's coming or what we can look for to be coming. Okay. 
So that's kind of be the fun part. And another thing I wanted to share that uh, is a, a New Testament verse that is similar to what we just read that Moses spoke. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to read that one to you because I just would like uh, our listeners to be aware of this because it's an interesting verse. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, the apostle Paul wrote, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And we've talked about this before, but we haven't really gone into any detail. A steward is somebody that has care of something. Mm -hmm. So when you're, like if you're the manager of a company, you're a steward of that. You've got employees under you. You might handle the payroll, whatever. You know, you might fire people. (laughs) (laughs) And a steward basically does that. So we're being given really a responsibility to handle the mysteries of God. You know, to understand them, to properly, you know, teach them. And he even says in the second verse, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So with Bible mysteries, we aim to be faithful stewards of the mysteries of God. Yes. We might make mistakes and misinterpret things. And if we do, we'll go back and correct it. Mm -hmm. But that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. And then one last thing in that same book is in, we'll back up to chapter two. This is the same epistle to the Corinthians that Paul wrote. And in verse 7, he says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And here Paul's speaking about Jesus Christ. Okay. So as the Lord of glory, he was the one crucified. And the princes of this world include not only Satan and his fallen angels, because we've called them princes and principalities. Yes. You might recall in the book of Daniel, the prince of Persia. Yes. I mean, the angel was fighting with him. So they're angels. But then they're the human underlings or the human people that are actively involved with Satan. And ultimately, we're going to try to show that there's a global group of people that do um, align themselves with Satan and his angels. And you don't know who they are, but they are manipulating things behind the scenes. How crazy. It's pretty crazy. So today, we're going to go back to the title, Nothing New Under the Sun, and we're going to find that in that book, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and start in verse 9. This is, uh, Solomon wrote this, he said, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Isn't that wild? That is wild. He even continues in verse 10, is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new? It hath been already of old time which was before us. So you think about our level of technology, Zena, and the things we can accomplish today. I'm fascinated by you know the the SpaceX rocket just sent the yeah. some more astronauts to the space station. You think about the amount of engineering and math and physics that it takes for that to even be accomplished. Mm-hmm. It's it's astounds me. Right. It makes me question: Were there humans here before us? Right. Because it's nothing new. So if Uh, History is repeating itself. It's like, okay, so what's next? For me, it shows up as, have we done this in the past? Are we just regaining technological knowledge that we once had and lost? Yeah. Or could it have been not even just humans, but the angels had a far more advanced society on the earth before man was even created? Okay. And when you think about, and a lot of people agree with this, theories of like Atlantis. 
was supposed to yes. be this advanced culture that sunk into the ocean, right? Well, it could very well be that that is uh, uh, the historical or mythological accounts by people like Plato or whoever. Some Greek philosopher wrote about, you know, Atlantis, mm -hmm. and I forget who it is, but it could be their perception of the fact that there was once a, an advanced civilization of angels on the earth before men. And there was war and there was battles between them. You know, we know about that fall and Lucifer and everything. Mm -hmm. So it could be that that's what they're remembering so far removed because they're not, they were pagan writers, not Bible okay. prophets, right? The um, verse 11 is interesting too in the same passage of chapter one. It says, there is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. And there are people that say, you know, those who fail to um, uh, study history are doomed to repeat it. I think I quoted that poorly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it definitely makes sense. So why do you think there's no remembrance of former things? Like why? It, it, it could be a number of things. It could be because Satan guides our attention away from the truth. Because think of it, Satan doesn't want the world to believe he exists as he is. He wants the world to perceive him as something good something positive, whatever. Yeah. Um, so if he had really done some bad things in the past, as the Bible records that he does, he doesn't want you to know that. So he's going to try to take that from the memory that, what do they say is something fell down the memory hole, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and so I, I think a lot of it is, um, even when nations erase their past, you think about, and I, I know this is kind of parallel to some current events, and it's not my intention to pick on them, but I remember studying and reading about the Bolshevik Revolution, which was the group of people that brought communism into Russia. Okay. Russia was once a monarchy, and it had a king which was called a czar, okay. and the royal family and all that stuff, and they, there was a group that decided, we don't want that anymore, and they killed them. They murdered them all. And uh, they took over, and they murdered millions of people. That's terrible. Lenin, Stalin, you know those names. Mm -hmm. Those were all the individuals that were part of that thing. So the Bolsheviks were basically the group of Russian people that wanted to bring in communism. And it's a, communism is essentially socialism, but with a violent hurry. You know? Yeah. And with, with a more uh, totalitarian end. Well, of course, the first thing they did was destroy all the statues of the czars, all the history of the czars. They erased, uh, they destroyed the churches. They wouldn't allow preaching of, of the, it was Greek Orthodoxy was mm -hmm. the religion of Russia at the time. They shut them all down. They wanted nobody to know the past. As far as they were concerned, history began with the socialism, the USSR, and so that's why there was no remembrance of anything. It was erased. Okay. I think America's running dangerously close to wanting to do something like mm -hmm. that. We have bad things in our past. We have things that should be revealed and taught as the error that they were. Yes. Not erased from memory, mm -hmm. but revealed to be this was a mistake. We, we went, we used to think this way. We used to do this. Mm -hmm. And so we, we should never do it again, right? Right. But instead, there's this idea, well, the very idea of it offends me, so let's erase it from the face of the earth. And so I think this is a self-fulfilling prophecy. In mm -hmm. a way, right? And then it repeats itself, and then you're back at square one. You're back at square one. If we forget how bad things were at a point, then is it possible that those bad things could come back again? For sure. Totalitarian control. 
bondage, mm-hmm. you know, you name it. There's any number of things. Uh, the way, you know, there was a time when unions fought to give workers rights and they were a good thing. And now we enjoy as employees a lot of rights and benefits that used to be they, was, they were like child slave labor, you know, yeah. working hard, long hours, and they had no rights or anything. Well, what if we erase that history and people go back to being practically servants again? It can happen, and it really is that way in communist nations. You know, you hear all types of rumors about Chinese uh, slave labor and mm-hmm. labor camps and things like that. And and a lot of people complain that our goods are so cheap because they're made there. Very true. And labor is very cheap there. So I think when we erase the past and forget it, we're very danger. There's a danger of going into that same realm. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this will be a little bit of a lesson to us. Now, as I stated, uh, the book, Ecclesiastes, the Old Testament book, was actually written by King Solomon. And he was actually an interesting king. He was a good king for a while, and then he turned bad. Now, why do you think he turned bad? Well, the Bible says, and by the way, he was the son of David, who was the second king of Israel. Okay. So the kings went in this order, Saul the first, David the second, Solomon was the third. And from after he died, the nation split into two, just almost like a civil war. Yeah. You know, and the nation split. It was no longer just Israel. It was Israel and Judah. So they became two separate nations, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a whole history about that. Then we'll, we'll explore some of that in other podcasts. But uh, Solomon was a righteous man for a while. He prayed to God for wisdom and God gave it to him. So he wrote a lot of things like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. But at some point he decided he needed a thousand wives. Oh, my. <laughs> Why, why can't one just be enough? Don't you think one is enough? One is more than I can handle. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like the best thing in my life. But, you know, Solomon, um, just because he had immense wealth and wisdom, uh, it says that he loved many women. And according to the Bible, women turned his heart away from the Lord. And it doesn't mean that they were bad people. It means that he, he loved women from all over the world who came from pagan backgrounds. So they brought with them into his home their gods, their beliefs, their, their systems. Okay. And when he began to investigate the you know, curiosity, he said, oh, what is, what is this God you worship? Well, before long, he actually began to worship those gods. So it, they, he turned his heart away from God, and therefore God rent the kingdom from him, and that's why the nation split into two. So he says in chapter 12 of this book, uh, uh, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 12 of this book, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. So that's how we know Solomon wrote this. Okay. And notice he says, I, the preacher, and that's what Ecclesiastes means, the preacher. He says, and I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. So his aim was to go search out, and he gave his heart to seek wisdom. And so he came through basically experimentation and acquisition and everything he could do to learn the truths that he wrote down in this book. Mm -hmm. And so it's really a book of wisdom to the whole world, whether people are believers or not. Yeah, It's wisdom that he's saying, this is what I did, and this is what I discovered. And the end result is, you better believe there's a God. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So in chapter 1, verse 16, he writes, 
I communed with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and I've gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. So he really was known as the wisest man in the world in his time. So we'll turn to the second chapter of Ecclesiastes. In verse 16, Solomon writes, For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. We were just talking about that. Yeah. How uh, even the Bible lets us know that's just the nature of man to forget what has been and why we keep repeating the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. And even closes with, and how dieth the wise man as the fool? The end result is we all die, you know. Very true. So ultimately, what, what is the profit of gaining all this knowledge and the the book basically concludes with saying here's what i found out the whole duty of man is to fear god and to keep his commandments and enjoy the fruits of your labor okay live your life and enjoy it right that's what he says you know so it's really a neat book but we're going to dig into some of these things about history has been before and there's no remembrance and why don't we know about those things why don't we know for sure about what was there really in atlantis right because everything that's been before is there's no remembrance mm-hmm. right and in chapter 3 verse 15 we read these words that which hath been is now and that which is to be hath already been and god requireth that which is past So it's really interesting to think that there really is no new thing under the sun. Everything that's unfolding today, as we see it in our own world, in our own country, has happened before in some other form. Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing. It's the same sort of thing. There's been pandemics. Yes. There's been, you know, uh, nations in upheaval. There's been revolutions over Mm -hmm. and over again. It's just history continues to repeat itself. So... I see that as one of the mysteries of the Bible. There's a pattern being revealed here. There's something that tells us that when things are coming and they happen, it's happened before. And maybe not the exact same way, but it's not new. Mm -hmm. So we're going to dig into things and try to figure out why. What is coming and what parallel in the history of the Bible has been there for future events. Mm -hmm. So it should be fun. Now, chapter 3, we'll back up to start reading in verse 1 because there's a very famous passage. And so much of this book talks about time. We're talking about it's been before, whatever's now, then, future, everything. That's time. Well, there's one of the most poetic and beautiful passages of the Bible that a lot of people know is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm just going to read it for the audience. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. This was actually quoted by Wren in Footloose. No way. (laughs) A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And a famous song by the birds 
covered this, and uh, they were basically it was sort of an anti-war protest song, mm-hmm. and it was it was a beautiful thing. So the idea is, if there's a time to every purpose under the heaven, then God already knows what's going to happen. And I especially like the one that says there's a time to speak and a time to keep silent. I, I need to learn when that time to keep <laughs> silent. I could really use that lesson. Uh, but I think a lot of us could. So if we just move forward with that idea that there's a time to every purpose under heaven, then God has a reason why things have been in the past. We yes. don't remember it. And it's all part of his mystery. And I think it ties back into that verse we read earlier about none of the princes of this world knew for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And I'm not saying there's been a savior that died on a cross before Jesus. Okay. I'm saying that he had to keep that secret from them so they wouldn't see what's coming. So they okay. wouldn't know what was coming. Mm-hmm. Satan and his angels. Now, in connection to God making uh, all everything according to his purpose and time, He also says this in verse 11 of the same chapter. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. No man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. Hence, the secret things belong to God, but that which is revealed belong to us. So we're looking into that which God reveals. Man can search all he wants. You know, think of like the scientist that believes in evolution. And he's trying to figure out where we came from. Well, we evolved from apes. Well, where did the apes came from? Well, they evolved from lower mammals. Well, where did they come from? Well, they were once fish right? that developed legs and crawled <laughs> out of the sea. Well, where did the fish come from? Well, they were once protozoans and whatever. Right. And, and you keep going further back and further back. Well, where did the, the first matter come from? Well, there was a big bang, an explosion of hydrogen. Well, where did the hydrogen come from? Yeah. You know, we keep getting into that, and they nobody wants to say... Well, the Bible said God created heaven and earth. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to dig and dig and keep thinking they found something. And he said, nope, they're never going to find it out. I can tell you if you will accept it and receive my spirit and that wisdom. Right. But if you think you can find it on your own, good luck. <laughs> God's saying you can dig it out, but no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. So that's why man can't figure things out. And that it's makes interesting. Sense. It, it really does. And it's interesting to think about when we were talking about aliens and UFOs and whatever, and they're angels, we believe they're angels. Um, right now, there is such a shift. Uh, shows, programs all talk about this that, that are focusing on um, the ancient angels, everything, we're aliens. They're all, they're, there's, a, there's a show called Ancient Aliens, and that's all they ever talk about is how the uh, actual uh, angels that men wrote about were alien visitors. And they essentially were the ones that made us or, or helped us along in our evolution. I think what's going to happen is eventually the theory of evolution is going to be so difficult to prove as true anymore because it's so factually hard to, there's no evidence for it. Mm-hmm. That instead of turning to say, yeah, the God, the God of creation is true, they're going to say, well, I think what probably happened was there were aliens that came along and altered the DNA of the monkeys or something, and then we became humans. Right. You know? They're going to come up with something like that, I think. So what we're really seeing is there's examples or types in the Bible of what has happened before, and it's a type of what's going to happen again. So we're going to spend the rest of this podcast looking at those types. Okay. And we'll start with Exodus, and you're, you're going to be familiar with Moses and the children of Israel in Egypt, right? Yes. Okay. So God used Moses to deliver them out of bondage in Egypt, and we'll start in chapter 7. 
and we'll look at verse 19 of the book of Exodus. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, his brother, Take thy rod, and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon their rivers, and upon their ponds, and upon all their pools of water, that they may become blood, and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. So can you imagine? Um, you know, not just the river itself, which would have been the Nile in mm -hmm. Egypt, uh, and all the streams, but even pots of water that you had in the house. Once he turned the water to blood in the river, all the water turned to blood. Ooh. That was one of the signs, one of the plagues, if you will, because you can't drink, drink drink it, right? No. And so one of the plagues God used to show Pharaoh that he's God and you need to let my people go. Mm -hmm. And there were actually 10 different plagues that, uh, that are, you can find it if you want to turn to Psalm 78 verses 41 through 51, and you can read the account of it. It's like the psalmist gives a little summary of what happened. Yeah. But the plagues were, we turned water to blood. Frogs infested the land. Ooh. Yeah, gnats, flies. Uh, much of the livestock died because of a moraine, sort of like a gangrene type thing or whatever. My goodness. Uh, boils affected the men and women. Then there was great hail, giant hail. Locusts came and ate up everything. Oh, gosh. There was darkness, uh, so dark they couldn't see anything. And then the last thing you might remember was the firstborn of every child died yes. in Egypt. And that's what the Passover post, uh, blood on the post was all about, to protect the children of Israel so their firstborns wouldn't die. And that ends up being a picture of Jesus Christ, who is the Passover lamb of the Old Testament scripture, mm -hmm. according to the Bible. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. So I mention all that because those 10 things physically happened, historically happened in Egypt. But since we're looking at types and examples, that which has been shall be done. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to see something here. We're going to see a pattern. Now, before we move on to that, that was Moses, who was a prophet of God. There's another prophet of God, and his name was Elijah. I bet you've heard that name before. Yes. Okay. Now, he did several things, but we're going to look at one in particular in 1 Kings. Um, just out of curiosity, do you know anything about Elijah, That what something special or miraculous that he did? Does anything come to mind? 
At the moment, no. That's okay. Well, not everybody knows about him, and that's why I asked. But there's something he did that was very famous. He prayed that it would not rain a drop of water on the earth, and it didn't for three years. Now, why did he pray that? <laughs> it had something to do with a king in Israel that was a really bad king, and he was trying to get his attention. Wow. His name was Ahab. See, all of these names sound so familiar. Mm -hmm. And of course, Ahab, you know, it's so funny how names in the Bible appear in so much other literature. Yes. You've heard of the, 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 the novel by Herman Melville, Moby Dick. Yes. And the man that was fighting the whale, looking for the whale, mm -hmm. his name was Ahab. Captain there we go. Ahab. That makes sense. I'm like, <laughs> and so he's a flawed character who's named after a flawed person from history. How ironic. King Ahab, right? And so anyway, uh, in verse 1 of 1 Kings, one of the Torah books, 1 Kings chapter 17, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And it really didn't rain for three and a half years on the earth. Uh, and we, if we, to get the summary of that, like I mentioned, Psalm talking about the plagues of, of Moses. Mm -hmm. If we go to the book of James in the New Testament, James chapter 5, verse 17 says, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. He's a man just like us. Mm -hmm. uh, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. You might be asking, well, why pick Moses and Elijah? What about those two? Yeah. There's many prophets. Mm -hmm. And they all, some of them did miraculous things as well. Uh, but what about those two particular prophets? Well, we're talking about things repeating, right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember a scene in the ministry of Jesus' life where he went up to a mountain and he was transfigured? You ever heard the expression, the Mount of Transfiguration? No. Okay. I'm going to share with you that passage because it was something that a lot of Christians think is very significant. Okay. It meant something. Not everybody understands what it means, but it was a wild thing to happen. All right, let me read it in Matthew 17. I'm glad to know that you're open-minded to learning all this stuff, Zena, because yes. a lot of people might go, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard of that, and don't really remember it. And you're honest to say, no, tell me. I want to know. <laughs> yes, please educate me. <laughs> so I appreciate that. So Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 says, And after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringing them up into a high mountain apart from the other disciples, and was transfigured before them. And he changed his shape. He changed from being a man. And it says, And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment, clothing, was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. So the Mount of Transfiguration was Jesus standing on a mountain and suddenly starting to shine. And he appeared different form than he did as a regular man. And next to him were Moses and Elijah. How crazy. Yeah. And the, the 12 or the three that were with him, they didn't know what to make of that. I mean, they were right. saying, like that. can you imagine? Won't. I'd be like, what's going on here? In fact, Peter said, oh, it's, um, it's a good thing we're here. Why don't we build some tents for you guys? <laughs> like, you're probably going to stay with us. You know? Right. But it wasn't such a crazy thing to say because he knew something, okay? The prophets had foretold for centuries that Moses and Elijah were going to return to the earth before the Lord came back. 
Okay, and so they knew this. They were not learned men that could read Peter mm-hmm. and James, but they were taught this by the synagogue teachers. So they thought, oh, this must be the fulfillment of that. And in a way it was, it was a picture of it. Okay, right before he brought them up to the mountain, he said, there's going to be some of you standing here that are not going to taste death before they see the kingdom coming. And a lot of people thought, what, they're going to live 2,000 years? Yeah. But no, it was this scene. They got a foretaste of the kingdom of heaven in that transfiguration right there. And so how is that a foretaste? What was it about? Why just seeing Moses and Elijah? Why is that a foretaste of the kingdom of heaven? Yeah. Well, we have to go to the book of Revelation to understand it. Okay. So we'll go to the book of Revelation chapter 11, another interesting mystery. Now, in Revelation are all these things that are happening on the earth, you know, the time of tribulation. Mm -hmm. It's that final seven years of the wrath of God and everything else that's coming. It's not happening now, but it's coming. And in the middle of all this, it says in verse 3 of chapter 11, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. Now, if you add up a thousand two hundred and three score, score is 20, three score is 60. So a thousand two hundred sixty days. If you divide that by 360, which is the Hebrew year, Mm-hmm. We have 365 because we follow a solar calendar okay. today, but God's Hebrew calendar was a lunar calendar. Now, why do we follow a solar and not a lunar? I think that was another one of those things Satan did to try to f- help us forget, you know, because if God set up a time a certain way, mm-hmm. Satan wants to do the opposite, right? Oh, he's such a turd. He is a turd. <laughs> so 360 days in a year is actually the way it was because you think a lunar calendar is based on the moon. Mm-hmm. The very word month is the word moon. You know, menses, moon. Okay. A cycle of a woman every 28 days, right? Very true. So 30 days is a new moon, right? Wow. So you start, the, the Native Americans used to say, it's been many moons since I've seen you. And they're talking about cycles of the moon. Right? Okay. So that's how they kept time. They they kept time with a lunar calendar too, you know. Mm-hmm. Others did as well. 1260 days works out to three and a half years. Yes. Okay. Now watch, we said two witnesses. Well, who are these guys? Verse four says, These are the two olive trees. Well, that doesn't help much. No. You know, a tree walking around? <laughs> Lord of the Rings? What is right? it? Right. And the two candlesticks. That doesn't help either. No. However, if we go back in the Bible and we look up olive trees and candlesticks, we can figure some things out. And we're not going to take the time to do that today because this passage (laughs) actually goes on to tell you who they are in another way. Okay. And I'm going to bet you 10 bucks you're going to guess who they are just by what I'm about to read. Okay. Okay. He says, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them... Fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. So whoever they are, they're protected by God. Yes. And if any man will hurt them, he must be in this manner be killed. If you try to kill them, God brings fire down and burns you up. These two witnesses, these have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Who did that in the past? We just read about Elijah. Yes. And have power over waters to turn them to blood. Moses. Right. You did it. See, I knew you would. And to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will, which Moses did too. Right. Who are the two witnesses? Elijah and Moses. And who showed up on the Mount of Transfiguration? 
Elijah and Moses. There okay. You, there you go. So that which has been is the thing that shall be. In other words, you're seeing a picture that these two men did those things in the past. Mm-hmm. They're going to do them again to the oh. whole world. Yep. And that's what happens. Basically, for three and a half years, Elijah's going to make sure that it doesn't rain, and Moses is going to release all these plagues. You know, and we saw some of those plays were locusts and flies and frogs and things like that. So they'll be here before God comes down. That's right. How cool. As a matter of fact, the way the year looks like it is if you take that seven years, they're in the first half, three and a half, and then the last half is the worst part. The second three and a half years is when all hell breaks loose. I bet. And then Jesus comes back in Revelation 19, according to Scripture. Okay. Okay. Now, let's look at some parallels. We already saw the rain, but in the book of Revelation, throughout the whole book, there are different angels that sound a trumpet, or they pour out a vial, or they do something. And every time they do, a thing, a plague happens on the earth. And the plagues include a third of the sea becomes blood. Frogs, as evil spirits, come out into the land. Water is poisoned by a star called Wormwood, so the men die from drinking it. Oh, God. There's thunder, lightning, earthquake, and hail. Eventually, all the water becomes blood. There's grievous sores that come on men with the mark of the beast. There were boils in Egypt. Hail and fire mingle with blood. There was hail in Egypt. Locusts come out of the bottomless pit. There were locusts in Egypt. And there's darkness. And then the sun actually scorches men. The sun actually superheats and burns men on the earth. We talk about trying to stop global warming. We're not going to stop the sun. No. So it's interesting to see the parallels. Ten different plagues on the world in Revelation, ten different plagues on Egypt. And there's a parallel. They they all match. Something is similar to what Moses did. Now, all of the plagues that are going to happen, um, will it... I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? I know the the men that have the mark of the beast, this will like kind of happen to them, but will it happen to the people who don't have the mark of the beast? That's right. It will not. So okay. The, the people that, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to be so dehydrated. The people that have the mark of the beast uh, and the people that are the victims of God's wrath are the ones that have joined league with Lucifer. Okay. They're part of the army of the Antichrist. God's people, he always protects. So it doesn't mean some won't die. Some are going to be martyred. Some are going to be persecuted and killed. The Antichrist makes it so that he cuts their heads off, and which tells me that something like a guillotine is going to come back into play. And I'm already seeing evidence of that in the world today, that there's people talking about guillotines coming back into fashion. My goodness. Pretty scary. So is the future a repeat of the past? Yes. According to the Bible, (laughs) the answer would appear to be yes. And in Revelation chapter 12, you'll recall, we we looked at some of this before when we were talking about Lucifer and his angels. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, we read there's war in heaven. We Mm -hmm. talked about that coming war. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. So we know the dragon has angels, right? Yes. We know the fallen angels are Lucifer's angels, Mm -hmm. and he's the dragon, okay? So we know there's a war coming. Well, back in verse 4 of the same chapter, we kind of see something about their origin when it says, uh, there appeared, in verse 3, there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, that's Lucifer, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven 
and it cast him to the earth. So that's an indication we believe that a third of the angels joined Lucifer in rebellion. Yes. Those are the ones that are going to fight this war with Michael and his angels. And, and lose. And they're going to lose. They're going to be defeated. Well, remember, we talked about stars or angels because we know there's a passage in the book of Job. And we read that before, but I'm going to refresh your memory for the sake of the audience, too. And it's found in Job chapter 38, verse 6. We read whereupon God was talking to Job and saying, where were you when I made the earth? And he's asking him yes. all these okay. questions. Okay. You think you're so smart? <laughs> <laughs> he says, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, the foundations of the world? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And he's referring to angels. I know. And then they decided to join Lucifer. Right. Some of them did. Some of them did. So not all of them did, but there was a time when they made a choice. Well, you think about that, and we think about the subject we're talking about, history repeating itself. There's going to be a war in heaven between angels. Mm -hmm. Could there have been a major war between angels in the past? I believe so. I think there was. If you think about it, if a third of the angels apparently joined Lucifer... In rebellion, a third of the morning stars said, we're going to follow the creature instead of the creator. I would think there was a battle that took place. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 finds the earth without form and void in darkness. Because the battle ruined God's original creation that he made for the angels to live on. So he basically destroyed Earth and then recreated it. Right. I think what he did was because Satan and his angels polluted his Earth Mm -hmm. and corrupted it, God flooded it and said, I'm going to start again. I'm going to cleanse it and bring out of it the new creation, and I'm going to give man charge of it instead of you. Lucifer. Ooh, how insulting. Yeah, I think, hey, remember, he made man from the dust of the earth. (laughs) So Lucifer was covered in all these precious stones, Mm -hmm. and God said, I can do better with mud, right? Yeah, like, look at him. So Daniel chapter 10, and we'll kind of get close to wrapping this up today. In Daniel chapter 10, we read these words in verse 20. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee, and now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am come forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. And we talked about that in the past. Those princes are fallen angels that were fighting against this angel mm-hmm. who was trying to get a message to Daniel. I think it was Gabriel, but because he shows up earlier in the, in the book. But it just tells me that angels have fought in the past. Yes. So if they were fighting in the more recent past, even though this is a long time ago, (laughs) then it would make sense they fought before that too. Yes. Nothing new under the sun. Right? We're following that that thought. We're following that paradigm. Remember, Lucifer is named in the Bible in the book of Isaiah, and he fell from heaven. Right? Mm -hmm. We talked about, I'll read it again for the sake of our listeners, Isaiah chapter 14. Verse 12, and the only mention of the name Lucifer in the Bible is this verse. Okay. It says, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? And it's, it's verse 12. How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, the angels of mm-hmm. God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, which is God. And then it says, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So Lucifer's ultimate end is going to be in hell. He fell once 
I guess you could say, from God's grace, from his presence. Mm -hmm. um, but he, the fact that he fell from heaven indicates that when God made the earth and the morning stars sang for joy, and he says in Isaiah 45, he made the earth to be inhabited, then it was the habitation of the angels. Lucifer wanted more than he had. Mm -hmm. He ascended up. He tried to take the throne of God out of heaven, as it were. And the angels came down and they engaged in battle and cast them back down to the earth. And I believe that's what happened. I believe when he said he weakened the nations, it's referring to nations of angels that existed at that time. Mm -hmm. And so imagine what kind of technology they had. Right. Could they have had cell phones or communication devices or getting back to what we were talking about a few weeks ago? Did they have advanced space travel technology? You know, things like yeah. that. And that may be what, what we're seeing now is fallen angels with their ancient technology. Mm -hmm. They're advanced but and they're extraterrestrial, but they're not aliens. Right. They're angels. And as I mentioned before, that would explain the reason why if there was a battle there and a corruption and a polluting uh, because sin was introduced into the universe, yes. then that would explain why in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we see, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. It wasn't started that way. Mm -hmm. It became that way. Very true. Through this fall and ultimate rebellion and everything else. So if that has happened in the past, that's what we're seeing coming. This war in heaven, this attempt at Lucifer to take the throne of God again. He wants control of the earth. He's very persistent. He is. He had it once, he wants it back. Mm -hmm. And so that's why so much of what we're going to be looking into coming up soon is going to center around this desire of Lucifer to regain his throne of control of the earth. He's got it now in a sense, but he wants total control because, I mean, God's still around. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess maybe he thinks he can defeat God. He can kill God. Yeah. I'm not sure what his ultimate aim is, but it's the, it's the epitome of pride and arrogance. Very sad. It's very sad. And then one last thing, and, and again, we've covered this before, but it's necessary to repeat this for us to see the point. In the book of Ezekiel, we have some other history about Lucifer. Mm -hmm. In that book, he's called the king of Tyrus. And in verse 11, we read, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. That's how he was created. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. And incidentally, the next podcast we're going to talk about is the Garden of Eden. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to find out that it's, it's been around longer than people realize. In other words, what I'm going to try to show is that the Garden of Eden existed on the earth before God made man in the time when the angels inhabited with all their nations and all their technology and all their advanced civilization. There was a Garden of Eden that this person, the king of Tyrus, had a kingdom or dominion close to, and he was able to gain that. He could go to the garden. He could go see God. God's throne was on the earth at that time. What? And it's going to come back. We're going to get to that in a second. So he says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius, topaz, we'll list the, uh, the stones. Uh, the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. So it's a created being. Mm -hmm. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. We talked about cherubs are a type of angel. Yes. And I've set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. 
Now, um, the mountain of God is going to be a central point about the Garden of Eden. Because we're going to find out God's holy mountain is Jerusalem. Yes. And Jerusalem, if the mountain of God was in Eden, what does that tell you where the Garden of Eden was in the world? Jerusalem. Israel. Israel yeah. is the Garden of Eden. We're going to find out, or it was, we should say. And it will be again. Okay. It will be again. So we'll get all to that. We'll get all that shortly. Last thing about this passage, and if we skip on down to he sinned, he lifted up his, uh, because of his wisdom and his beauty, he tried to take the throne of God, as mm -hmm. we know. Verse 16, it says, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. So, and, and he says, I will, as though it hasn't happened yet. Okay. So he, he was definitely cast out of that world. And we know about that world becoming without form and void. Mm -hmm. Right. But there's, he's going to come back. He's going to try to, he's going to stand on the mountain of God and declare himself to be God. Wait, this man. <laughs> so the next episode, we'll talk about the Garden of Eden and we'll get into some of that location about the mountain of God. Okay. So hopefully this has been something enlightening for you. To it definitely realize, has. A lot yeah, of foreshadowing. A lot of foreshadowing in the Bible. It really truly is amazing. Well, we thank you all for joining us today. I hope that uh, it's been an exciting podcast for you and hope you'll join us again next week. Yes, please do. And if you enjoy our episodes, please give us a like, share, and subscribe as well. As well as leave down a comment down below on something that you've learned new through our podcast. Well, thank you so much for being here. And thank you, Zena. Y'all have a great week. You guys as well. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.